your mother a beaver? Cause damn! If you were a booger, I'd pick you! You just fight! Cause you blew it away! podcast on the athletic network it's monday may 24th happy victoria day to all our canadian friends i'm j.e skeets rolling with the homie tass mellis what's up everybody hey tassie we got my top shot hot boy trey kirby (laughs) the international man of mystery taking it to the max lealis friends And uh, last but not least, making the magic happen, it is JD. He's in the background right now. He's a busy man. He just moved into a new house. He's got electricians over there, but he's running the show. He's just got a lot of balls up in the air. He's juggling. So we'll see if he can give us a little attention for an hour or so here, because this guy is busy. But shout out to JD. Shout out to the stream team for joining us live on YouTube right now. Smash that like button. Everybody take a second. Go smash the like button. Leave your comments to help us defeat the mighty algorithm. And if you haven't already... Subscribe to No Dunks on YouTube. Send in your questions and comments for this week's new Beach Steppin' podcast. Uh, I promise we'll hit the beach later this week. Email them in nodunksattheathletic.com. Tweet them in at nodunksinc. And finally, uh, big news over at nodunks.com later today to celebrate our record-breaking wedgie season, 54 and counting still. We're dropping another limited edition wedgie t-shirt today. We celebrated hitting 50 with that limited edition white wedgie shirt. Now we got the baby blue. And this one's going to be available mm. from 12 p.m. Eastern until midnight. Only today here, Monday, May 24th, you'll have that window to go purchase this sweet baby blue wedgie t-shirt. You know, the last one, Lily, that OG white shirt, it sold out in like 10 minutes. So we decided, yeah. you know... Let's give people more time here to go grab one of these bad boys. So you got basically all day, again, from noon till midnight on May 24th here today to go get that new wedgie shirt. Nodunks.com. All right, man. I'm, uh, I'm hyped to talk to you guys here today. Like, Look at this smiley guy. I don't know if I'm like a prisoner of the moment nor all that, but like... That felt like the greatest opening weekend of NBA playoffs. <laughs> it, it, it was. It did. It, it really was. did. Like, it was. Yeah, like usually was, when we've man. done this before, you get here Monday and we're like, well, don't worry about that game. That was a blowout. Or what can you take from that? Not much. And it feels like there's something that we can really take away and dig into with every game uh, and every series. So let's do it. I got some questions for you guys. Uh, we'll break it up into the Eastern Conference first. Then we'll get to the Western Conference games. East, just quickly, Saturday, Chris Middleton jumper. Lifts the Bucks past the Heat in overtime in Game 1. Also on Saturday, the Nets uh, recovered from a slow start, especially their Stars players. They beat the Celtics, though, 104-93. Then on Sunday, Tobias Harris scored 37 to lead the 76ers past the Wizards, 125-118. And then Sunday night, again, sticking with the East, Ice Trey. Trey Young hits the runner with about a second to go to lift the Hawks past the Knicks. <laughs> so, the first question for you guys, and Trey, you can get us started is who was, in the Eastern Conference only, the weekend MVP of the playoffs so far? Chris Lansdell is right. We got a caca incoming, Skeets. You said Eastern Conference only. 
But I think that Trey Young is the weekend's MVP, regardless of conference. A legendary IPO for Trey Young, that initial playoff offering. One of the great playoff debuts in recent memory. Trey went for 32 points, 10 assists, and 7 rebounds in his first playoff game, joining Derrick Rose, Chris Paul, and LeBron James as the most recent 30 point 10 assist games in their playoff debuts but it wasn't just the stat line it was how he did it the vaunted Knicks defense could not stay in front of Trey Young in the fourth quarter had 13 points went nine of nine from the free throw line some of those were certainly gifts <laughs> but Lee what do free throws do win games <laughs> that's true. win games we say it every time there's a free throw in this household also under 10 seconds tom thibodeau brings in a cold goalie frank nicolina <laughs> gets the call to try and guard trey young he gets roasted and floated trey young hits a game winner with 0.9 seconds left and then shushes the msg oh. crowd first time they're really in the stands this year 15,000 strong really loud spike lee going crazy and trey young floats him to death then shushes the crowd by putting his finger to <laughs> yeah. his nose very high with the finger i don't want to smell you anymore new york <laughs> i don't blame him incredible stuff he uh what did he say it's quiet as in here after getting uh heckled by the crowd earlier in the game the guy embraced the heel roll looks like he was meant to play it incredible stuff from trey young yesterday in new york yeah, Tass, what'd you think about uh, Tibbs' decision there to bring in Frankie Ice uh, to try and slow Trey Young and then did the opposite of that? I mean, even Taj Gibson was coming up, throwing some help, and uh, maybe maybe force him that way if you can there, Frankie. Instead, he just blew right by him and got to his spot. Both guys with the nickname of Ice. I it didn't, didn't really... Ice on Ice? Is Jim yeah. Ice in the building? <laughs> I think so. Probably. I think I, Probably. I think I saw Jim Ice in the background somewhere. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> listen, I don't think Frank Nilakita could have played it any better. I mean, he stuck with him for like 30 feet. I think it was really strange that he sits the entire second half and comes out there. I mean, he's basically sitting for like an hour and a half, and now you just go guard the guy. He brought Tibbs brought him in for two possessions, one at the end of the first half yeah. and one at the end of the second half. But I thought Tibbs would have a little bit more for Trey Young just overall over the 48 minutes. I mean, Trey Young got a double screen. It was kind of open uh, and, uh, you know, could do his thing. And he he played the game perfectly. Uh, he just he got everybody involved uh, for a lot of the game, picked his spots. And then in the, the end of the, the fourth, he just took over. And sure, there was some softy foul calls, no doubt. Uh, and the weird, weird Twitter thing going on, com uh, complaining about how high his finger was on his face when he shushed the crowd. Uh, people are just freaking weird. Uh, but what more could Trey Young do? I thought that was, uh, yeah, just a, a marvelous performance overall. I mean, just, just to be able to just, yeah, uh, do what he wanted out there, frankly. Uh, that was... Uh, Oh, that was gold, man. He, everybody in the building, all 15,000 of those fans, plus Tibbs, uh, plus Frank Nielakina, plus Taj Gibson, knew that he was getting the ball. Lou Williams apparently told him, do not pass. Lou Williams' his teammate. <laughs> yep. He said, do not pass. Go win this game. And uh, he absolutely was money there. I, I, I found it weird. A Tibbs defense wouldn't, you know, bump him. Do something with him, get the ball out of his yeah. hands, something uh, throughout the game. It wasn't even just that play. Uh, but uh, yeah, the, Trey took what the defense gave him and uh, a performance of a lifetime. As Trey said, 15,000 fans chanting the crap out of him from tip. Uh, so amazing, amazing tr for yeah. Trey. 
Lee, uh, anything to add from uh, Trey Young's unbelievable playoff debut there? Well, uh, John Collins, I think, was apparently supposed to screen. He waved him off, and John Collins lost his shoe on that play, right. uh, which was which was quite incredible. And then uh, Reggie Bullock, who's also another very good defender for the Knicks, I thought he might have been the one to get the assignment on it because he's a bit longer, a bit taller, but he was on Bogdanovich, and he kind of shaded off Bogdanovich. Now, Trey was going to score that, bo- uh, that basket, but if Bullock came off, then he would have left Bogdanovich, who was actually having a great game himself. So maybe that played into it a little bit. But in the end, Trey Young went past effectively four Knicks defenders to score that one because Julius Randle came over to try to block it and he floated it up and uh, and in. And it was just uh, incredible. I mean, the atmosphere there, the crowd, the noise they were making, it was like a soccer crowd out there, I thought to me. Like, they were just roaring every single play. There were so many highlight plays in this game. So many moments where it looked like one team was in control and then the other team just sort of came back and, and got, uh, got the lead there. And so I just think this was uh, an incredible playoff debut from Trey Young at Madison Square Garden against the Knicks uh, and he floats up the game winner and you know he didn't settle for a jump shot he went into the lane I love that the most about it is that you know he, he saw the double coming had that confidence in himself, went inside and took a, a really good shot uh, and knocked it in. I mean, those could easily roll out, of course, but I just like the way that he was moving toward the basket. I thought uh, everything about that play was fantastic by him and the uh, Atlanta Hawks. And <laughs> <laughs> it is funny. It is funny because he's like, it's funny he's like, it. we're showing you for those listening the uh, photo of Trey Young shushing the, uh, the MSG crowd with his finger placement very high up on the nose. <laughs> he's yeah. touching his eyebrow a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. he's like, he's a little bit lost he's like i want to shush them but i also want to return the fus to them that they gave me at the oh, start yeah. of the game so yeah. it's like I, I can't do both i have to kind of do one or the other i just want uh, one thing though he doesn't have any history though with the Knicks themselves and their fans does he i know at, at oklahoma uh, state or wherever he played college you know that was a thing that the ch- the fans chanted that but i was right. like I'm like, where, where, what's his beef with the Knicks? They've got nothing there. This is the first no, game. The beef with the Knicks is he's getting free throws in the fourth, and they yeah. want to win a game yeah, but, because they okay, never play fine, But at the yeah. start of the game, where, why were they? Oh. why were they yeah. so effing trade at the start? It's yeah. called oh, competitiveness, hey, mate. Yeah. <laughs> it the playoffs. Was, I'm going telling down. you, man. Like, what, what an atmosphere that was just yeah. watching that game. I mean, uh, the Knicks back. You know, Spike Lee going crazy on the sidelines there. Like, you just wanted to be there. It was, uh, and I know you've been there, Skeets. I know. Oh, I mean, it's, it's the greatest place to watch. <laughs> basketball game in the world and that was proven this weekend to be true it no better place is. for the home team to see their home team lose uh than madison square garden somebody in the chat was saying there's all these great performances uh at madison square garden how come none of them are from the knicks <laughs> well, Trey young jordan reggie what's the knicks moments well, it would have been Alec Burks we would have been talking about here this morning if the Knicks could have pulled this out. Uh, 18 in the fourth there for Alec Burks. But anyway, let's keep it going here. we got so much to talk about. So, Tass, uh, you know, Trey Young is an obvious one. It's a great one to start with. Uh, who else, though, in the Eastern Conference deserves a little weekend MVP love? Well, we'll jump over to Heat Bucks. And the Bucks' Chris Middleton uh, was definitely an MVP because the Bucks squeezed out an OT win over Miami. Middleton hit the game winner at the end of overtime, creating space on a long mid-range jumper. The Bucks were lucky to escape with a win. And Middleton, the MVP for many reasons. First being, if they lost this game, I think the series is over because the mental advantage Miami has over this team after beating them last year and then to win a game that they didn't deserve winning, uh, I think it would have been over. When Miami's two stars and Jimmy Butler shoot 4 of 22 and Bam Adebayo shoots 4 of 15, it should be a blowout. The road team shot... 
36% the Heat did. It should be a blowout. And I think another huge reason uh, Chris Middleton was MVP, because uh, he was willing to take the big shots throughout the game. Mm-hmm. He was the guy. Game high 27 for him. And the last reason he was MVP was because he stopped the criticism, which surely would have come Yanis Tetacumpo's way because of Yanis at the free throw line late mm. in this game. Yep. He missed four free throws in the last minute. He was two of six in the last one minute and six seconds on the clock including a 10-second free-throw violation with 106 left in a playoff game. He took too long (laughs) to shoot at the free-throw line, broke that 10-second barrier, which never gets called, ever, 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 ever. And that was after he does his free-throw routine before he gets the ball. He he denies the referee giving him the ball. He says, no, don't give me the ball. I'm going through a full free throw routine where he throws his arm up, throws up the gooseneck, and that takes like five, six seconds. Then he gets the ball, and it was well beyond the 10 seconds. You can call it, I guess, but I don't know how you call it (laughs) with one minute left. And then the next time he shot a free throw, he rushed it, and he missed that one. So uh, he is very, very, very lucky with the the poor execution down the stretch of the Bucs. He would be getting it for sure. Two-time MVP, couldn't hit the free throws. His team just... Uh, you know, wasn't performing down the stretch. He was super duper lucky. Chris Middleton saved the day, and he could have saved the series. I think it would have been over uh, with the way that the Heat shot so poorly from two. I mean, they made it up uh, for in, in three point land, but uh, Chris Middleton, big MVP from the Milwaukee Bucks. Without without him, uh, yeah, there's a, a, a the, the whole the whole thing changes. The whole narrative changes big sure. time in that game. Yeah, that was my key to the series, Lily. Uh, it was your dream. The free throws, Giannis had to hit him. What did I want? I wanted like 75% at the line. Off yeah. to a rough start here in game one. But uh, Middleton coming through with the uh, clutch shot there. It was great defense, I thought, from the Heat, too, uh, on that one. But Middleton, you know, offense beats uh, better offense beats better defense, I guess. Anything to add from what Tass said? Do you agree that if uh, the Heat pull out that victory uh, in overtime after Jimmy tied it at the, at, at the end of regulation with the layup there that <laughs> – that they would be in control and probably winning this series. And Middleton yeah. may have saved it, like Tess said. That, that was a Miami victory there uh, for everything up until that Chris Middleton shot. Just the way that they really just suffocated the the Bucks and they couldn't get into any groove. The heat controlled the pace, the tempo, even though they weren't playing well. Jimmy Butler pulls it out when his team's down by two and then gets that layup to send the game to overtime. And that, to me, is just like, there is just that's just demoralizing for Milwaukee to, to have been in that position and Jimmy just back to uh, haunt them as he did down in the bubble last season. But I think if you're the Bucks, you have to look at this game and say, listen, tough, you know, ugly playoff victory, but we got the win and we really should improve a lot in the next game because they shot terribly from three-point range in this game. I think they finished five for 31, somewhere around there. Drew Holiday had a decent game. He couldn't hit a three. Uh, so I think there are some positives to take out of this uh, for Milwaukee in that sense. That, like, listen, if we can win that game, then we should play better and we should be able to blow this team out if uh, if our shots are falling and we don't let them hang around because that's exactly what the Heat do. Dragic off the bench, fantastic again. Duncan Robinson got them going early. And then again, it just felt like Jimmy was going to control that overtime game or that overtime period and win the game, but they didn't. So, uh, you know, for the Bucks, <laughs> I mean, you know, not pretty, but effective enough that they got the victory uh, and that's all they needed to do in game one. If they can improve then that things do look better for them in this series. But you know Miami's obviously going to try to keep it as dirty and as grimy as they can mm-hmm. uh, to put the Bucks under pressure and to put Giannis at the free throw line. They'll, I think they'll do that again. I think they'll say, all right, you know what? If the game's tight, let's see if he can make these free throws because he, he clunked them and then he took far too long. And uh, 
you know, uh, yeah, it's it's a weird call in the playoffs, but it's kind of like, yeah, you you you're taking far too long, man. Just shoot him. But uh, got that free throw defense from Karan Butler yeah, on the sideline, yeah. counting things out. Honestly, like uh, we talk about, like free throw defense, that's not a real thing. But if you got one coach over there whose only job is to count to ten, came through in the clutch. Yeah, <laughs> for the Heat. Uh, but yeah, weird stuff. Giannis would be getting killed if the Bucks lost this game. But I actually thought it was good to see him taking Jimmy Butler for a large majority of this game. Mm-hmm. I think that's a lot of the reason why Jimmy Butler went four of 22 from the field. He took nine three-pointers, took a whole bunch of jump shots. Those are not, uh, that's not the game that Jimmy Butler wants to play. Mm-hmm. He's a driver, as we saw there at the last in the last play of regulation. Went right by Giannis for the bucket. I think that's what he's going to have to do in game two tonight. If Giannis is guarding him, Jimmy's got to just put his shoulder down, try and get to the free throw line as much as possible. He's not a jump shooter. The Heat shot the ball pretty well, actually, from three-point line, 20 for 40, I think, in game one. So the three-pointer can still be there. They just need somebody to score inside because Bam wasn't doing it either. So I I think Jimmy's just got to be a little bit more locked in. I don't know if he was too locked in, not locked (laughs) in enough, whatever it was, there's got to be a different level of calibration here and he's got to be at the rim almost every single time on his shots yeah I mean we're of course uh over the course of this podcast going to be talking up the performances of like Trey Young and you know Devin Booker we'll get to him when we get to the West and stuff like that but there were like a couple stars that had some stinkers in Julius Randle and Jimmy Butler Anthony Davis uh for the Lakers out West um so we'll see uh whether they can bounce back as for my East playoff uh weekend MVP it was the one game I didn't watch live uh, and it was the Sixers-Wizards game, but Tobias Harris. I had to catch this one this morning because I had some uh, flag football championship action to go catch, guys. Shout out to Andreas, my godson, coming through with the championship ring. Shout out to Jostens. Man, you got they a got, ring? They got rings, TK. Incredible. I should, uh, should have had a photo Welcome to the South, man. I know. <laughs> Incredible Championship stuff. Championship rings for a six-year-old flag football team? It's, it's insane. It's insane. Um, but it was an He's unbelievable He's going to outgrow game, it by man. the time the ring gets in. They, uh, what's that? It's going to outgrow it by the time the ring gets in. Right? No, they're, they're already there. They're just like uh, default yeah. rings. Here you go. Yeah, it's, it's like the Spurs pulling out the ropes. They knew. They already had the rings made. It oh, was, yeah. Before the fourth quarter, do they have quarters in flag football? No, they got oh. two halves. I think it's running clock. <laughs> it was an amazing game. It was incredible. Tie game. The other team scores with go. 20 seconds to go. So we're like, uh-oh, it's going to go to overtime. I don't even know what the overtime rules were going to be. So they had two plays basically to go the entire field. Obviously a smaller field here with uh, six, seven, and eight-year-olds. Two plays, final play, game-winning touchdown. Just like at the end of the game, the, the walk-off, the runoff, whatever the hell you call it. <laughs> it was awesome. Anyway, <laughs> nice. uh, so I watched Wizards Sixers this morning. This was the one I saved for this morning. And uh, yeah, I got to show some love to Tobias Harris, who was incredible in this one, especially with Joel Embiid in foul trouble. Only played 10 first half minutes. But Toby scored 28 of his career playoff high 37 by half. Uh joining Allen Iverson as the only Sixers with 28-plus points and a half in a playoff game since 97. And he was special. Sixers got the win, 125-118. You know, not not all that convincing. I'm actually glad I saved this one till today. Uh, I would say of all the games, it was, well, for whatever reason, I don't know, maybe it was that early start there on Sunday. It it just lacked uh, the energy of some of these other games. But he was awesome. He took advantage, I thought, of a lot of mismatches when smaller guards got onto him, like Ish Smith and Neto. And uh, he was just in his bag there. He had everything fallen. He had the turnaround jumper baseline and pull-ups. And he had even a little floater at one point, transition threes. So 
you know, again, Embiid was Embiid's the real MVP of the game, of course. Like I forget, he's like a plus twenty in this game. But Tobias Harris keeping them in it, scoring the ball, um, because they didn't get a lot, obviously, from Ben Simmons uh, in terms of scoring the ball. He had another nice line with the fifteen and fifteen uh, boards and assists, but. Toby, man, this was big for him. This is big yeah. for the Sixers moving forward. Like, he has to be like a third star. He's got to be Middleton-like, where it's like, yeah, this guy's going to be good for 25 to, to 30. I mean, that's what you want. We'll see if he can do it for the rest of the series, but awesome first game from Harris. Yeah, because he was a dud down in the bubble, and I've been very critical of him not stepping up in those moments where they need that other scorer. Because you're right, Ben Simmons had a decent line with 15 rebounds and 15 assists, but he's not the scorer. He's not a shooter as such, and they need Tobias Harris in that situation. Okay, Embiid's down. Who's going to step up? And uh, it was him in the first half. And then the second half, you know, Seth Curry hit some shots. They went to him. And so it just feels like the the, the Sixers just got more options, whereas the, the Wizards are like, okay, they needed Beal to go off. He had a decent game. Westbrook had an okay game. But other than that, everything felt like just kind of found money with the Wizards anytime someone else scored. So the Sixers should win this series pretty comfortably. You know, if Embiid stays on the court early and he dominates inside like we talked about in the previews, the Sixers really should win because they seem to have a lot more options than the Wizards do. Um, and, and last night, you know, or yesterday, the Wizards sort of hung around in this game. But really, once the Sixers sort of got to that spot, they held onto that lead and they just kept it. Uh, they just kept that lead big enough that the, mm-hmm. the Wizards were never really uh, super close to them. But uh, they kind of give themselves a chance, I guess, Washington, if Embiid's off the court. But no, Harris, uh, if he can perform like this, then this series uh, should be over in four games because um, you know he's had a very good season under Doc Rivers and that was a lot of talk coming into the season because he had his best season as a Clipper under Doc Rivers. He was almost an all-star this season and uh, stepping up in the playoffs is a, is a big, big step for him and uh, glad to see he did it yesterday. Yeah, it was only the fourth time in 17 career playoff games for Harris that he scored 20 or more points. <sighs> yeah, wow. um, he, has, he has struggled before, but yeah, if he plays like this, then you're right. It's going to be over in four or five, but uh, you know, can he consistently do this? That is, of course, something to watch. All right, let's keep it going here. Unheralded star, East playoffs. Tass, who you got? Well, I'm going to take it off the floor. There was 15,000 unheralded stars in Madison Square Garden. Those fans just rocking the house. I know we've talked about it already, uh, but I just couldn't get enough. And I don't think it was, you know, the fact that it was game seven of eight games and they kind of got me jacked it was just you know that sense of normalcy again the fact that we need freaking basketball fans out there i thought all those 15,000 fans bringing it from the beginning with the trey young trey young trey young right from the get-go i mean come on like that right from the beginning you you know fans are into it and maybe it why was were they watching. doing it Tass? why were they being so mean to it can you explain to me the criticism from the crowd on the road <laughs> uh yeah chris kirshner of the athletic has a good write-up on uh you know the background to all that to, to trey young's performance to him walking into the tunnel you know saying afterwards that it got f-ing quiet in there after i dropped that <laughs> shot uh the whole thing from oklahoma state so you go read that yeah. write-up uh but it was also i think the feed that i was watching I was watching on the NBA app, no commercials. And so throughout the, the commercial breaks, they had cameras on every one of those 15,000 fans who were going nuts. And mm-hmm. I'd say by, uh, by definition, most of them were what you call bros, uh, basically the, the definition of bros. Sure. Uh, but I loved every bro out there. Uh, actually, except for one, which we'll get to a little bit later on. There was okay. one fan who very, very poor taste. But stay yeah. tuned for, uh, for, for Tweet of the Week for a little bit later on. But yeah, the Knicks fans just... Just, just reeled me back in. I mean, that was basketball again. It just, it just feels so 
Not, it, it, it felt abnormal because we've been watching basketball for now a year plus with zero fans, mm-hmm. uh, basically. But uh, but man, like what what a difference was you watching the play-in tournament last week, and we had some fans in Chase Center making it feel like the playoffs again. But what a difference it was to have Spike Lee hop in there, the entire arena hopping when Obi Toppin was hopping yeah. and, and scoring. I mean, that was that was just awesome. It was awesome, and and and. Yeah, I forgot how fun basketball can be. <laughs> yeah, the Mecca was bumping. Where were they the the loudest, Trey? Was it the uh, quickly three, top and dunk, R.J. Barrett dunk, Rose floater to tie Ooh. things up? I mean, there's a. it feels like there's five. Randall hitting that crazy three there late. Probably between the Barrett dunk, a Ooh. monster dunk. There were some great dunks this weekend as well. That was a great one. And the Rose floater. Like It felt like the Knicks were maybe going over the top there. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was awesome. Uh, and as somebody mentioned in the stream team, shout out to the Knicks fans for helping inspire Trey Young to win that game. Couldn't have done it without you, Knicks fans. Uh, yeah, for sure. So, Lee, are you going to go down to the Fortress here for games three or four? Now is that a must? <laughs> yes. Uh... Yeah, I said the other night, the prices to the tickets are a little more than I uh, had budgeted for. I'll be honest. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna get there. I, I think the atmosphere, though, is going to be uh, electric down there because it probably still will be 60% Knicks fans at least uh, making the trip, uh, you know, the replants, I guess. That's but uh, That's certainly, um, I, I think it'll be, I think it'll be like that. But, um, <laughs> but, but the, you know, this series is alive. You know, it really is. And yeah. uh, it, this, is, this is exactly yeah, what we wanted. Good. You know, you saved so much money, Lee, though, on tickets this last year. You know, <laughs> a yeah, bit, I know, I know. On all those free tickets that you usually get, you save so much money. I know, I know, I know, I know. But the other thing is, it might even be tough to get tickets right now because yeah. uh, they're going to be in such demand. But uh, well, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see what I mean. Well, yeah, now you're right. Actually, uh, taking game one sure helps uh, yeah. give it a little juice there in Atlanta for uh, games three or four if it's one one or they're up two or something like that. Um, it was awesome. You're right. It's this is what we. This is what we sort of hoped would happen with this series. And it's like, it's you know, through 48 minutes, it's like, yep, this is what we were expecting. Two really good teams that play hard, uh, some new faces in here, and uh, they play each other close. And I think these, these are going to be a lot of, like, really entertainingly close games. Um, it was a blast. I'll stick with this for Unheralded Stars with the Hawks because Trey Young gets all the headlines here. But, you know, I think Bogdanovich... And, and Sweet Lou Williams uh, were instrumental in this victory. Because the Hawks, they led most of it. But it ended up coming down to the wire. Especially after Alec Burks was going crazy. Atlanta was down three with 111 left. And Bogdanovich hit a three-pointer to tie things up. That was like, look, we can be honest. It was pretty lucky for Hawks fans. It was, it was a pass from Trey that like got deflected right into to Bogey's arms. And he just like ripped it right away he's like screw it it's in my hands i'm shooting it and he knocked that down to tie things up that was big but he had 18 points overall four boards two assists two steals again timely three pointers in the fourth and then lou williams man he scored 11 of the hawks 17 points between the third and fourth quarters including a run of seven straight he had a couple other great dimes to set up some three pointers from galinari and bogdanovich i think he was a game changer in this too tass like Old Lou Williams, and you said it even talking to Trey Young, like, hey, man, you're shooting this. And when he was on that run, they kept him out there longer because Trey Young went to Nate McMillan and said, hey, man, he's in the Lou zone right now. Like, you don't mess with this. When, when Lou Williams has it going and he's scoring in bunches and he's playmaking like this, you got to run with it. Just ride that wave. And uh, so Trey Young uh, told that to McMillan, and they kept him out there a little bit longer, and it obviously paid off. I thought he was... Uh, I thought he was fantastic. And this is a guy who's got some uh, 
pretty questionable playoff performances. You know, we know that he's the sixth man of the year guy, time in and time out. But uh, he's got some clunkers on his resume in terms of playoff uh, performances. But maybe in this role, you know, uh, you know, these sort of spot minutes, these little sections of a game, he can he can still do it. It was it was that was fun. And Bogdanovich again, I, I'm I'm pairing these two together because I think they are. There's no Hawks win. There's no Trey uh, floater at the end if these guys don't play the way they did. Yeah, Bogey was great. He yells after every shot he makes. I don't know what language he's yelling in, but uh, he is screaming after every shot he makes. He was so key. And, yeah, I guess Nate McMillan just pushed all the right buttons, yeah. keeping Lou Williams in there until, what, like under six with, into the fourth quarter? Yep. Uh, with six Something minutes like left. And, uh, yeah, of course, Twitter going nuts. Where's Trey Young? Lou Williams uh, definitely, definitely wins this game. Uh because of what he did out there. If they didn't trade Rajon Rondo at the trade deadline, um, then they don't win this game. I think you know Rondo fits way better with the Clippers. Lou fits way better with the Hawks. And, uh, yeah, that, I mean, that was that was perfect, Lou. Uh, they, they, I, I, I could not believe Lou Williams and what he did from first half to second half, just taking over. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, total keys to that game. Trey, who do you have as an unheralded star in the Eastern Conference? I've debated a few unheralded stars. Skeetsington, I thought about giving it to Joe Harris. The only net to hit a three in the first half when the team was really struggling. Then the only non-big three net to score in the third quarter. Nets scored 31-28 from KD, Kyrie, and James Harden, but three from Joe Harris. Considered that. I thought maybe Kevin Durant is an unheralded star. He played one good half, ended up with 32 points and 12 rebounds. Basically zero flow for the Nets, not much cohesion, and an easy win over the Celtics. But my official unheralded winner, Robert Williams. He went from a game-time decision to 11 points, 9 rebounds, and 9 blocks in 23 minutes. He blocked a James Harden three-pointer. I thought he made a huge impact with his athleticism. It's a fun matchup watching him and Nick Claxton, kind of similar style players. Unfortunately for the Celtics, not only did they lose... Williams looks like he's going to be a little bit limited. He was really limping around with the turf toe there in the second half, but a great performance. Uh, they said he has the Celtics postseason record for blocks, but uh, everybody knows that's not true because at some point Bill Russell blocked 100 shots in a playoff game. <laughs> right. But Robert Williams had a Russell-like experience in his uh, handful of minutes yesterday. He was really good. The rest of the Celtics were just not good enough to pull off a win against the Nets. Yeah, Lee, I want to ask you this. And if there's, uh, if there's none you want to change, just be honest with me. Mm. Is there a serious prediction you want back from the Eastern Conference? Or after yeah. one game, you're like, okay, I'm feeling good about all my predictions. Yeah, I, I think I, the Knicks in seven would be the only one I would consider. But again, they still get home court for that game seven. So I'm still riding with the Knicks. I think they can pull it out because I think they definitely steal one down here at the Fortress at some point to get back onto home court advantage. So other than that, I mean, Philadelphia, I think I had them in a sweep. I feel pretty good about that. Same Mm -hmm. with the Nets. And uh, there's one other game that I'm forgetting. Um, Miami, Milwaukee. Uh, yeah, I had I had the Bucks winning that one in seven. I mean, I think that is going to be a long series, and I, yeah. the Bucks the Bucks just have to pull this one out. They just have to. But Giannis, just quickly as well to go back to him, a couple of times he had Trevor Reza on him, and Trevor Reza, you know, has been a, a solid vet throughout his career, but he's way too slow and too small for Giannis. And uh, Tyler Hero he had on him a couple of times and passed out of that. So Giannis, eat these guys. That's what he should be doing. He really should be. Uh, you know, if Jimmy Butler's on him, that's a different matchup. He's a tough, you know, youngish player compared to Trevor Ariza. But uh, the Bucks, I, I feel the Bucks really should 
you know, dominate this series. I, I just feel it after that game because they didn't play all that well, but they got the win. But I just think a couple of little improvements here and they can really uh, put the clams back on Miami. But we know the heat, we know the way they play. So uh, maybe, maybe that one. But other than that, no, I, I'm going to sort of stay where I am. I, I feel fairly confident in the, in the rest of the pick still. Well, I think I would like to take back my uh, Nets in five prediction because I think this might be Nets in four. I think uh, I was too kind in maybe giving Boston. And here's why. The Nets averaged like 119 points per game during the regular season. Celtics held them to 104 on Saturday. You almost have to win that game if that's what's going to happen. And uh, they only scored 93. So, you know, Kemba and Tatum, I'm sure they'll bounce back a little bit. They combined to go 11 for 36 from the field. But this is not looking good. You said it, Trey. Like, the Nets played one good half and still won sort of convincingly. Uh, that does not bode well for the Beantown boys of even like making this a series or winning a game or two. So I know a couple of you, I guess, Lee, you were one of them. Uh, somebody else in the mix, or maybe it was you know, all of you guys, saying uh, getting the brooms out for that Nets one. But I feel like I, if I could take one back, I mean, again, you overreact after game ones. That's what mm. everybody does. But uh, it does not, does not look great for Boston's chances to at least make it a series and maybe not even win a game. Uh, who, Trey, what did you have in this one? Did you go I, had, I had uh, Nets and six, and I'm like you. Oh, okay. Mm, yeah. may, maybe the Celtics can get one here, but yeah. even that I'm feeling less confident about after game one. Yeah, and also I'm not feeling that uh, confident about my $100 bet with Tass right now, too. After uh, Again, they only have to play like 20 minutes, and it's like, all right, well, we just sort of kicked ass. Oh, boy, there it is every time. It was crazy. They played one quarter, and then, yeah. Yeah, we got it. Tass, no I mean, problem. we should let, let me take that bet back because, like, if I lose okay. that bet to you, I'm gonna have to sell my godson's uh, championship football. I'll be like on eBay, you know. You see that all the time. <laughs> Guys get hard pressed for money. Yeah, okay. come on. Okay, uh, you're right. Uh, you're right. Our, our final question with the Eastern Conference, guys. Favorite like highlight or random moment, anything really uh, that you just wanted to bring some attention to here from the Eastern Conference. Again, Lee, you get us started. Danilo Gallinari is a veteran. He's been around since 2008. Uh, went with the playoff mohawk yesterday yeah, at Madison Square Garden. I mean, he's rocked a mohawk of uh, variants in the past, but this one was the real like <laughs> shave the side of the head. Let's go back to 2002 type of uh, mohawk there from Gallinari. So I don't know if it was because he was in Madison Square Garden, his former team. He was like, yeah, I'm going to come back with the Mohawk, or if he was just feeling Mohawk that day. I don't know. But uh, it was a, a unique look. We haven't really seen the Mohawk for a while. I mean, Chris Anderson used to have the sort of spiky one, but Danilo sort of had the one, and it was almost like a flat Mohawk. So, yeah, um, yeah. hadn't seen that for a while. Wasn't expecting it from a, a guy this stage of his career. You sort of think, you know, a younger guy maybe, but... Uh, no, he rocked it and he pulled it off too. So congratulations, Danilo. Well done. Um, like Jay I, is saying in the stream team, look like De Niro totally. in Taxi Driver. <laughs> uh, major Travis Bickle look. So, I mean, back in New York after being drafted there years and years ago, maybe he's paying homage. Uh, but yeah, bit of an extreme look. I say stick with it, buddy. Um, just uh, also, I know we're on the stream team here. We're on YouTube live. I, I know JD's busy. But, Lee, you didn't grab a photo of it? You have a photo for everything in your life and you couldn't find a photo of Gallinari's yeah. Mohawk for the people the, here? The only one that he had uh, wasn't a hey, great hey, one. Hey, hey, I asked him he, for he one. He did. I asked him for one. He's like, nah. 
we're good. We're fine. And now what as you you're describing about? it, you I'm like... You have a photo for every fucking thing you've ever done in your life. You can't take 10 seconds to find Gallinari's mohawk. The one, don't the do one... it now. Don't do it now. I'm doing it right now. No. Uh, no. Make sure I you won't put it, up. put it up. Straight to JD. Yeah. Don't put it up. Straight to him. Unbelievable. But it was a crazy look. It was a crazy look. All right. Skeets gets mad about a lot of stuff, but this is definitely warranted. Come on. Am I... At least, hey, just get a photo of a rooster at the very least. Yeah. The one that he put up Gallinari it's like a side on view so you don't get like the, the, the whole like I would like more like the front on view so you can see both sides of his head but uh, well, there you go who's yeah. that I, could, I can't help myself I have to put yeah. it yeah <laughs> uh, alright um, okay, I mean I'll, I'll take your side on this one Lee guess what looks like a mohawk everyone mm-hmm. you know what a mohawk looks like that's well, exactly yeah. what you're imagining exactly well, what you're imagining I think, well I no, thought it would have no, mohawk th- usually come on, has some come on it's height. a mohawk doesn't a mohawk usually have some height yeah, they can. Yeah, I don't. Know. I mean, whatever. I don't, I don't really care. There's a, there's a lot of different yeah, mohawks. Mohawk, I yeah. think. I think. But yeah, it's uh, it caught me off guard. Oh sure. yeah, sure, definitely, sure. definitely caught us all by surprise. Okay, uh, Tass, what was your favorite highlight? Random moment, observation, whatever. Well, I just thought it was weird watching the Nets uh, start Blake Griffin at center, and Blake Griffin is at the point of his career where. He's just a defensive guy. He is just uh, asked to be a defensive guy. Just run the floor, get dunks, and have a guy come off a pick and roll and just try and defend him as best you can. This is Blake Griffin. This is the most exciting player for me of the 2010s. And now we're at a point uh, where he starts a game and he didn't take a shot. Not one field goal. I just thought that was bonkers watching it happen. Now, I don't know what they do when inevitably they play Joel Embiid and the Sixers in the Eastern Conference Finals, does Blake Griffin start? DeAndre Jordan come back? Looking too far ahead. I just thought that was nuts. Uh, I, I just, I'm just not ready for that Blake Griffin to not shoot the ball uh, and to just ask, like, he was just asked by Kevin Durant, just come on, man, just grind it out with me. Like, he was, he was telling him to, you know, pick this guy and do that. I just thought it was weird. He was basically, you know, in the Robert Williams mode uh, of the Nets in that series. And, uh, you know, just to give you a Robert Williams stat from the other side, why the why the Celtics, you know, got to be super pumped, as, as Trey said. He had nine blocks, but this is why a steal is way more important than a block. Of those nine blocks, the Celtics only got one of them. Eight of them went out of bounds <laughs> or directly back uh, to the Nets. So that's, that's kind of So strange. I guess he's not Bill Russell. No. Isn't Bill that Russell his thing always tipping it to himself? Yeah. <laughs> always keeps it in play. Yeah, man, so I thought I Rob thought... Williams had passed him by, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Blake Griffin, yeah, taking on a obviously a different role there in the in the Nets game one victory. But um, Trey, what do you have? What's what's weird to you or sticks out to you from? Well, from just the also with the Nets centers, uh, I thought it was interesting to hear on the broadcast that Jeff Green wants to be the next Vince Carter and just play forever and ever. And I mean, like he's what? Uh, what dra- what year draft was Jeff? Two thousand and nine, uh, eight, wasn't he? Eight? I no, mean, 2007. Like Westbrook, 2007. Westbrook was, was traded for, uh, for Ray Allen in 2007. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's exactly right. So we're, what, 14 seasons into his career? We got another 10 years of Jeff Green? That's crazy. That's <laughs> wow. crazy to think. A lot think. more dunks. Yeah, a lot more dunks, a lot more jerseys. Maybe he will get to every single team, but I don't know. The guy just somehow gets better and better, makes more sense for playoff teams. But one thing that really stuck out to me over the weekend a lot of hard falls this weekend. Mm. The Kevin Durant one. Oh, I don't know how he didn't break his arm, man. Like, he fell on on the fast break, fell, and his right arm, like his shooting arm, was behind him when he fell down. 
and then popped up and yeah. played the next play like there was no big deal. Uh, Jimmy Butler and Giannis had a big collision midair. They both took a shot down. Uh, they both went down hard to the court. Uh, we saw the Chris Paul thing. That'll be in the Western Conference talk. LeBron as well. I don't know. The intensity picked up, obviously, for the playoffs, and some players were hitting the ground pretty hard. Uh, to not have any actual serious injuries from some of these uh, collisions was lucky stuff, I think. Oh, my God. That Durant one. I'm 100%. I was like, how is he fine? And he like didn't yeah. even, he wasn't even like, oh, like, shake yep, it off or anything. He's like, maybe he's just like, he's so rubbery or something like that. Like, <laughs> he doesn't look rubbery. He looks bony out there. Yeah, it's true. Mm. Yeah, he looks, yeah, because yeah, every time you see him, you're like, oh, yeah, I forget how tall that guy actually is and lanky he is. Um, but, yeah, that was scary, but he was fine. So that was good. Just to uh, wrap up the East here. My favorite sort of, I guess, observation, I want to get your take, guys, was the TNT. I mean, it really stuck out in the Hawks-Knicks game. I can't remember if they were using it in other ones, but they had it there in MSG, where those cinematic, um, like, shallow depth-of-field cameras that we saw in the Super Bowl and we saw in the Royal Rumble, they were employing this uh, in this game. Like, sort of had it, like, floating a lot of the times, like, baseline, almost, like, behind the first layer of the crowd. I thought it looked badass. I mean, it looks like a video game. We saw it again when Trey Young was like exiting the floor um, after his interview with uh, TNT there and like the steady cam. And like, again, it's like everything else is out of focus around him, but it's just him. Uh, do you like that look, Lily? We've talked about it before, but, uh, you know, I, I don't, you know, we haven't seen a whole lot of it in the NBA, but it seemed to give it a go there on, uh, on the weekend. You know, I'm a big fan of portrait mode on the iPhone. So, uh, oh, true. I mean, that's basically know, what it is. Yeah, yeah, that's that's essentially what it is. So, yeah, I'm a big fan. I like it. I like I like to see more of that. Bring us in. I just don't like. I know you tweeted about. I think Skeetsy, the big ad that came on during oh, the, the game. Big Ultra ad. Yeah, when, uh, hit a three pointer. Bogdanovich hit the corner three. Yeah, it was massive. You couldn't even see him. You had to go to the replay to see how beautiful it was. So we need to figure out that. Some of the camera stuff, good. Some, I guess that's not really camera, is it? No, it's, it's production. Don't yeah. worry. The uh, Monaco F1 race was uh, even worse production-wise than anything we saw from the NBA. Ooh, it was all over the map uh, there on uh, Sunday morning. But, uh, yeah, Tass, are you a fan of that? That Yeah, portrait mode is the best way to put it. That sort of camera that we've talked about. I am a huge fan of the cinema. I am a huge fan of portrait mode, so yeah. yes, I enjoyed every okay. second. Of that. And I didn't mind the production. I know we had a Michelob ad, but we also had a great Popeye's uh, chicken sandwich ad read from Kevin Harland, uh, <laughs> which, which informed me that you have uh, barrel-cured pickles on every chicken sandwich. And Kevin Harland said, give me a barrel-cured pickle anytime. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, the production, yeah, you, you miss a play. I, I know... Uh, I know good friend Nate Duncan was really mad about one where we where we had a squeeze box and we missed a nice play. <laughs> I get it. I get it. It's rough. It's rough. But, uh, you know, 47 minutes and we missed one minute because he had in a half a squeeze box. But if you're watching Nate Duncan on the NBA uh, broadcast do his uh, commentary, it's a squeeze box too. Mm. Why am I talking about Nate Duncan? <laughs> Anyways, good production. Good production. All right. All right. We're talking ads. Uh, here's an ad I like. Uh, Fast and Furious crossover with the Antetokounmpo brothers. Mm. I wasn't mm. expecting that, obviously, you know, uh, despite the fact that Fast and Furious started with cars and moved to heists. It's really a story about family. Oh. Just like the Antetokounmpo brothers coming to America, becoming MVPs, becoming NBA champions. I didn't expect that to be the crossover ad that we were seeing every single time there was a commercial break for ESPN, but I was loving it. Uh, I have an idea for a, for a summer podcast series, Trey. Uh, I can't remember if I've run this by you. You, of course, a huge fan of the Fast and Furious series. Me, never seen a single one at all. 
I mean, of course, know it, but I don't know like what happens in each movie. So I think we should do something where, uh, like, I'm either fast and you're furious or something, but we watch it together and uh, break it down. Like, basically, do a series on it. Watch each one and uh, talk it out after. And like, I'll have a million questions and and all that. What do you think? Sign me. There you go. There <laughs> you go. I knew I wouldn't have to twist your arm on that one. Zia Race Wars. That's, That's literally the name they give to the race in the first Fast okay. and Furious movie, Race Wars. Wow. See you at right. Race Wars, Skeets. All right. All right. Not too many spoilers now, but I'm excited. I'm excited. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep. You heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Let's go to the Western Conference, guys. Uh, Saturday, Lucas, 31-point triple-double, helps the Mavs beat the Clippers 113-102 in Game 1. Saturday night, Lillard leads the three-point barrage there as the Blazers beat the Nuggets 123-109. Sunday, Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton helped the Suns win in their return to the playoffs. They beat the Lakers 99-90. And then last night, final game of a very long weekend there, the eighth-seeded Grizzlies beat the number one-seeded Jazz in the series, series opener, a very close game. So same questions, but we're flipping it over to the West. Western Conference playoffs, weekend MVP. Lee, who do you have? Well, I'm going with Devin Booker, and I'll get to him a little bit more in a sec because apart from obviously the big win from the Suns yesterday, the biggest story out of this game is is Chris Paul's health uh, and what it will be for the remainder of this series and however long the Suns are in the playoffs because he injured himself again in a very sort of innocuous play, that sort of right shoulder, bo- shoulder collarbone area. Collided with his own teammate, actually, mm-hmm. um, Cam Johnson there. It didn't look too bad, but he immediately sort of grabbed at that spot. He left the game. And he did come back, but he clearly wasn't 100%. He was trying to avoid his right arm as much as possible. He lost the handle several times, like, without really having a lot of pressure under him. He shot and made a couple, but they were high-effort shots to just sort of get that ball up there. Um, So we'll see. I mean, uh, he says he's going to be fine. Uh, but he said he also he said he heard a crack, which is just awful to to hear that. So um, obviously we hope Chris Paul can play, but uh, that looked really bad for him oh and, and for God. the Suns. And like th- like think about his playoff like injuries too. Yeah. Over what the last six years or something like that. Like he's had the hamstring, a broken hand, uh, another hamstring in eighteen. Yeah. And then the groin, poss- I think. Yeah, and then now possibly the shoulder. Yeah. yeah. Um, so anyway, we'll see what happens there. Like I say, he said he's going to be okay, but he certainly didn't look at. Uh, but Devin Booker uh, again. Super impressive in his playoff debut. The number's great. 34 points, shot well, seven rebounds, eight assists. A couple of very Chris Pauly sort of zigzag moves into the lane there too for either that mid-range shot or to pass to someone in the corner and and a couple of those guys knock down threes. And he really, I thought, was impressive in that last quarter when you knew the Lakers were going to make a bit of a push there. And Devin Booker scored or assisted on five of their last seven field goals. Uh, and I thought he had good pace to his game throughout. You know, for, for a rookie in his playoffs, he didn't seem to get rushed. He seemed to take good shots, uh, made them, got to the free throw line, hit a couple of threes. Really didn't have, I, I think he had six turnovers, sure, but that's fine. Um, you know, his team hung on to a victory there and the Lakers didn't look great. 
But I, I talked about this before the series. Game one was pivotal. The Suns had to win. And even if they do win, it's kind of like, well, LeBron always comes back after winning game one. But uh, I just thought it was a, a very impressive performance for a guy who had to take on even more load and more responsibility when Chris Paul was, uh, you know, despite playing after the injury, clearly wasn't at his best. And so it fell on uh, Devin Booker's shoulders. I thought uh, DeAndre Ayton was very good as well. But I thought Booker was their team MVP and he led from the front uh, for a very impressive victory. Oh, he was awesome. He scored or assisted on 53 points, the fifth most by a player in his playoff debut over the past 20 years. Uh, yeah, Booker was special in this. I loved seeing it. What'd you think of the uh, ejection there on on campaign, uh, getting the two techs for for the extracurricular activities and then some of the other techs uh, involved? And it was all started, right, because of... Uh, Chris um, Paul the and, Chris Paul and yeah, LeBron Chris thing Paul there. I guess LeBron. they were sort of two separate instances happening at the same time. But, what, Tass, what did you think of uh, the referee's decision to uh, throw Cam out there and what went down? Yeah, it was wild because I'm watching Chris Paul and LeBron, and Chris Paul's trying to pick up LeBron. They are still bros. They, they were battling it out. And then all of a sudden, I kind of missed what happened with Campaign and Alex Caruso, who's been phenomenal. I had to watch the replay to – to really absorb what happened. I was okay with it. He gave a body check, and then he threw the ball at Caruso. So that's kind of two separate texts. And then you had Montrez Harrell doing a 50-yard dash to get in there. <laughs> he came screaming <laughs> Big it. hit yeah. from Harrell. Yeah, yeah, he could have lowered the shoulder and lowered a huge boom and uh, you know got ejected himself. Yeah. But he uh, corralled campaign pretty well. I guess I was okay with it. I mean, uh, I don't know. Was, was, There's a lot happening there. I was distracted. But, yeah, there was – he did two things, I guess. Ah, but that second one, he shouldn't have got a tech to be thrown out for throwing the ball at Caruso like that. I mean, it's the playoffs. We always hear, you know, like the refs swallow the whistle a little bit. Now, you know, he sort of bumped him and then Caruso came back and he threw the ball. I mean, he threw the ball at his leg. If he cracks that off his head, you know, at high high velocity, <laughs> sure. But it's yeah, like... If he throws it at his face, for uh, sure. Come on. He just, he basically just, you know, they all got... Players always fight over the ball. Who can steal it and snatch it off the other guy? And he just flung it back at him. Now, the refs, okay, give him a team just say all right yeah. let's just calm down but to throw him out of that game again if the lakers come back and win that game even though it's campaign you can, you know the conspiracy theorists are out there like ah see they're trying to you know fix it here for the lakers to win the game so i thought that was a ridiculous one i thought okay just give him one tech for sort of combine them and just say all right you get a tech but you don't that's to me not ejection worthy for that little incident that happened mm-hmm. there i just thought playoff game it's an intense game it's so a first game. Everyone's emotions are running high. The referees could just have uh, calmed that one down a little bit. So I thought it was a it little over It actually worked out for the Suns, though. They said it on the broadcast. It it got uh, Devin Booker some time to rest after looking yeah. at the replays a million times. It was like <laughs> yeah. it ended up being like a five-minute, six-minute break yeah. uh, for a guy that was uh, obviously doing a lot of heavy lifting there, playing a lot more minutes, especially without Chris Paul or in and out of the lineup uh, after that. Like, yeah, it worked out well for, uh, for Booker getting a quick blow there uh, on the sidelines. So... Yeah, um, I'm with you though, Lee. I don't think he really deserved an ejection for the little <laughs> throwing the ball back, but they did the old one and one adds up to two, and yeah. you're out of here a campaign. But nice to nice to see. Uh, it is nice to see the feistiness, uh, TK, in some of these series matchups already. Game one usually it sometimes takes till like game three or four until like some of this stuff uh, starts happening because you just get tired of playing the same guy and same team. But some of these right from the jump it happened. Oh, no doubt. It's great to see a little playoff beef on the first weekend because you know it's going to pay off even further down the line, like you're saying, Skeets. These are just game ones. Who knows what's going down in game five? Like, I was surprised to see 
that it was Bradley Beal who was trolling Joel Embiid mm. for the entirety of Wizards versus Sixers. Seemed like it would be Westbrook versus Embiid, but Bradley Beal basically had a reaction for every single thing that Joel Embiid did out there. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, between that, we got this game. I think uh, Celtics versus Nets will likely get spicy at some point as well. Going to be fun. All right, Tass. West playoffs, weekend MVP. Where are you going? Well, Mavs Clippers uh, was all about Luka Doncic. Obviously, the guy is just freaking phenomenal here in his second uh, playoff stint. 30-point triple-double, banging home threes. And so they decided, all right, we got to double him. Let's get the ball out of his hands. But uh, he was making such great passes. He was... Uh, just taking the Clippers' eyes and and sending them wherever he wanted because he would look off the Clippers to one guy. They'd have to take a step to one guy, and he'd find somebody else. So they got just that uh, just that inch of space uh, that they needed to shoot. Dorian Finney-Smith, Tim Hardaway Jr., and Jalen Brunson combined for 54 points, 19 of 29 shooting. That's all Luka Doncic. So, yeah, he has a 30-point triple-double, but he created everything for his team. In a game with Luka... Kawhi and Paul George he was clearly the best player and uh, I just wondered if the Clippers have enough of the sense of urgency uh, because I was a little puzzled why you know Kawhi didn't jump on Luka a little bit earlier they're Mm going to wait till game two I guess to make that happen Um, and I, I also wonder about the Clippers when talking about Kawhi and not jumping over to him does Kawhi have the legs because he played late into the season under a minutes restriction. He wasn't you know, playing heavy minutes because he was injured. Now he's getting doubled in the postseason. Uh, and his legs, I think, wore down at the end of the game. He had, he had a good game, but late he couldn't come through. And I think it's telling that his legs weren't there when he missed a jumper short. 130 left. It was clear when he left his, when it left his hand. And then um, uh, another three short then another free throw short uh with a with a minute 30 left all that happened they were tied at 100 and the last 312 remaining in the contest clippers scored three points uh the rest of the way so i think that's that's worrisome and then on the other end in those last three minutes they gave up two huge dunks because they weren't playing a center uh marcus morris was their center serge abaka is not out there which kind of puzzled me uh they, they just didn't have anybody guarding the rim and it was a tie game. Uh, is Serge still injured himself? I mean, he missed two months, came back and played two regular season games. I think they need him to, to speed up quick because if the defense has given up easy strolls to the bucket, that's just not championship basketball. So uh, this is a mass team that doesn't have a ton of weapons, even with Chris Porzingis having a bad game. Luka got it done. Uh, but, but some worrisome signs, I think, from the Clippers' just overall picture there. For sure. We'll get to that uh... A little bit more of that Mavs Clippers game uh, in our next question here. But, Trey, finish it off. West playoffs weekend MVP for you goes to who? Do or die, Dylan did it again. Guitarino, <laughs> 31 points, seven rebounds for the most punchable face in the NBA. Apparently, that's the record for points in a Grizzlies playoff debut. Uh, he was the best in the third quarter. He was huge there. 14 points on seven of 12 shooting. Making some crazy shots, some incredible left-handed finishes. Uh, Brooks also got the game icing layup off a beauty of an Mm -hmm. inbounds play. Royce O'Neal got tripped up a little bit. Ended up with Brooks being wide open underneath for the layup. Taylor Jenkins, uh, his coach, called Dylan Brooks the Grizzlies' spirit animal which I don't know if it is a Grizzly, but whatever it is, uh, he is setting the tone out there. He's bringing it defensively. I love how even when Dylan Brooks is having a good game on the offensive end, the broadcast 
just can't stop talking about how much he hacks <laughs> as a <Yeah>. defender. <laughs> They're like, this guy is balling. And he's super physical. He's just ping-ponging around out there is what they called it. Just running into guys. But he's setting the tone physically. The Grizzlies played harder. They were hungrier. They've been in a playoff race for basically a month with no Donovan Mitchell for the Jazz. Uh, that little bit of extra oomph from Dylan Brooks out there on the perimeter really pushed the Grizzlies over the edge. Oh, my God. He had, like, I don't know, off the top of my head, like three amazing highlights that I hope they turn into top shot moments, Trey. Like, he had that, that one, like, I guess call it a crossover on Conley where he went, like, back between his legs, like yeah. bringing the ball from the back to the front and then had the uh, sweet finish inside. He was awesome. John Morant took over in the game, too, Lily. That's, that's the special part. It's like, all right, Brooks, Bring it for those first three quarters and then hand it over to John Moran to, to close it out. Um, that's, a, that's a huge win uh, for the Grizzlies. I, I know we'll get into the no Donovan thing in a second here, but like to make this a series, it's exciting that the Grizzlies pulled this off and continue this run that they're on here, led by, you know, Jaw Special. Don't get me wrong. He's the real yeah. superstar, but like JV awesome again, especially against Gobert. And then mm-hmm. Dylan Brooks doing what he's doing. Um, yeah, it's, it's fun to see, especially in a 1-8 matchup, that there could be something here. Dylan Brooks has got Kawhi light vibes. Defensively, he's very tough. And on the offensive end, he said he's he's watched a lot of Jimmy Butler and uh, LeBron. I think it was uh, playoff games, and you can tell he wants the ball late. You know, he, he like I know Jar Morant did hit some uh, big baskets as well, but not just this game. That Dylan Brooks is just not afraid of the moment and uh, shot well again. Thirteen for twenty six. It's fifty percent. That's fine. But you know, he, he feels that moment and he really steps up and uh, and takes it and. On the other end, he only had two fouls last night, which is remarkable how he didn't get any more than that. But he physically, he really gets into those guys. So uh, this this is great. This is actually what this series needed. I'm glad that it happened like this because uh, Donovan Mitchell, as you, as you mentioned, they didn't end up playing. He wanted to play, but it was a late scratch. And the Jazz, I think, sort of felt, well, you know, they probably feel pretty comfortable. They're rested. They're going up against the uh, fatigued somewhat Grizzlies. But it wasn't the case at all. The Grizzlies had much uh, healthier legs down the stretch there in that one uh, to pull it out. So great uh, great performance here um, by Memphis and uh, an exciting series prospect here because Valanchunas is a tough matchup there for Gobert because he's big and he's long and he's physical. And, uh, you know, Gobert isn't able to sort of really just come over and swap those shots like he can do for some of the smaller centers that he goes up against. Valanciunas has had a great season, can really sort of get his body into him, and he's got that little jump hook, and uh, that causes Gobert some problems. Yeah, I love to see two uh, current and former NBA players tweeting about how Dylan Brooks is the classic, like, love to have him on your team, yeah. hate to play against him. <laughs> yeah. He is the ultimate, like, you show up, little hungover for your weekend run with the guys and like <laughs> you just get the one draw that's going to play you defensively that just won't stop playing way too hard and like hitting you on mm. every play and you're like come on man are we really doing this it's just so annoying when you're uh going Total against Nelson, a guy like that right? yeah it's exactly what i was thinking trey <laughs> shut up get out of here Nelson. you're just yeah. like i don't want this get man i had too me. much to drink last night like, stop <laughs> bumping up against me man give me some room because <laughs> he get he looks real sweaty as well like he's one of those guys you touch him and you just covered in his sweat and it's like ah this is even grosser get off oh, me yeah. man <laughs> um oh man i just thought of a great shirt there should because he's like he really rocks this goatee here uh something goat goatee uh there's got to be a breaking uh, yeah. team mashup in there with the way he's playing we gotta capitalize off that so yeah awesome game from brooks he and gave again, a, John Moran he was gave special. a gentle-ish headbutt too to mike conley mm. like before before a play started, while they're waiting there, it wasn't quite a headbutt, uh, but <laughs> it was tap. there. 
Yeah, I saw my underscore low sent out the video, and I, you know, you, you can't, you're a ref, you almost can't call it, it could call it tech, but it's like, you know, just an a-hole move. Just, just, and he's good at it. Oh, he's fantastic. Oh, I love it. Uh, all right, our next question here. Back to the unheralded star of the uh, Game 1s in the Western Conference. Tass, get us started. Where are you going? Yeah, well, what the Suns were going to talk about, Denbuck, we're going to talk about Chris Paul, but uh, they don't win this game without DeAndre Ayton playing in his first playoff game, playing defense the way he did. The Suns allowed 90 points to a team with LeBron James and Anthony Davis on it. I mean, that is... Something. Uh, he did a solid job of being Anthony Davis's primary defender, big part of why Anthony Davis had only 13 points. But I think he was equally as important slowing LeBron. LeBron didn't hit a shot at the rim with Aiton on the floor. In fact, he didn't take a shot at the rim with Aiton on the floor. The only time he took a shot within 10 feet of the rim and Aiton on the floor, Aiton blocked him. He blocked the king clean. Uh, he did have a, a couple buckets when Aiton sat, but I think there's a reason for that. Uh, and... Uh, at, right at the rim, I should say, and uh, Aiton offensively too, definitely unheralded. 21 points, 16 boards. He missed one shot. He's 10 of 11. After the game, Anthony Davis said, "There's no way we're winning a game with me playing the way I did." And he added, "I know I'll be better." Mm. So uh, he's going to go right at DeAndre Aiton. He made it, I think, a little too easy for Aiton, and we'll see if Aiton, in his first playoff stint, can stay uh, on the floor when these dudes decide to go at him. Um, but uh, I think uh, I think it's got to be on Anthony Davis. Like, that is the man who needs to make it happen because Bron, he's just he's not totally himself right now. Bron had a very quiet game uh, offensively, and uh, Anthony Davis, he looks healthier, and he should be taking it at DeAndre Ayton. Will we just end up saying, you know, that was just a game one lollygag by those two dudes? I hope not. I hope the Suns keep taking it to them, uh, but it, I think they'll they'll turn it on in Game Two anyway. Oh, Anthony Davis better have a bounce back Game Two, Trey, or he's going to start getting the Paul George uh, like uh, hate thrown at him there on Twitter. I would think he's got a championship, so you know that yeah. that helps alleviate that a little bit. Hit a game winner the finals. Yeah, yeah, but you know he he's got to play uh, obviously better, and he will. Um, yeah. Are the Lakers I, like are Lakers? Are you concerned at all about the Lakers winning this series after Game One or no? No, I'm not concerned about my pick either. I think Lakers in six still sounds pretty good, like you're saying, Tass. That, to me, felt like a LeBron feel-out game. And as we know, LeBron has taught Anthony Davis his ways as well. Because if you're looking at it from the Lakers' perspective, they just held the Suns to 99 points and got 31 combined from Anthony Davis and LeBron. Barely lost that game. They've got to be feeling they're doing okay. uh, Anthony Davis, the one game... He played against the Suns during the regular season, 42-12. and 12. Obviously, he can be a lot better, but Aiton outplayed him. Aiton outplayed LeBron in Game 1. That was super impressive, the way he was able to stay on the court and continue to make an impact from the first quarter to the fourth quarter. If he does that every single night, then you've got to get the best Anthony Davis every single game for the Lakers to advance in this series. And we could see more games in the 90s here between these two teams with the Lakers having the number one defense and the Spurs are, what, top six or something like that? Like, they're an elite defensive uh, squad, too, especially if Aiton could play like that in the middle. Um, with you got Chris Paul, obviously, on the guard, and then Mikhail Bridges is amazing, and Jay Crowder's great defensively. Uh, so, yeah, we could see some other low-scoring games, which uh, is fine. Still entertaining when it's close. Trey, unheralded star. Where are you going? Well, Damian Lillard is the heralded star for the Blazers. 34 points, 13 assists in 40 minutes for Dame uh, in Game 1. He outplayed Nikola Jokic, and that to me is probably the biggest reason, really, uh, that the Blazers took Game 1, but their bench was instrumental in this win. Terry Stotts played three guys, and they still outscored the Denver Nuggets bench 34-20. to Anthony Simons was great 
14 points, five of six shooting, hit four threes. He was just shooting over Marcus Howard. Marcus Howard getting some minutes out of nowhere. That's a short guy. I thought he was a Facundo Compasso clone. Simon's just elevating over him, knocking down the jumpers. But the real story off the bench was Mello. 18 points for Carmelo Anthony. 12 in the first quarter. The four three-pointers. Getting booed by the Denver Nuggets fans. This was Mello's first win in Denver since playing in Denver. That was fun to see Melo going off uh, for the Blazers. Cantor was the other guy uh, who came in off the bench for Portland. He took some bumps, and that's about it. Not a ton of depth for the Blazers, uh, but still better than what the Nuggets had to offer last night because Composo did an okay job as the point guard, uh, I thought, but Marcus Howard, literally a rookie. like They're just rolling guys out there. As we've heard time and time again, it's not necessarily the replacement, the replacement for the replacement, and that definitely showed up on the bench for the Blazers versus the Nuggets. Yeah, I was uh, watching some of these games with my buddy Grish, and I hit him with the question, uh, what, like, veteran superstar would you just most want to see win a title, like, for their legacy? Like, you know, Harden, Chris Paul, maybe Westbrook, like, whatever. And he came out of left field and went with a mellow. I was <laughs> like, whoa, you know, I'm not thinking mellow as a superstar anymore, but uh, fair enough. Uh be wild if the Blazers went on a, another run here to the conference finals, maybe to the finals. But he was awesome in this. So Damian Lillard, like Trey said, did the uh, the heavy lifting there with 34. And that's shaping up, I think, to still be an awesome series too, uh, Lily. And I know we can uh, get into that in a second. But what's your uh, your pick for unheralded star in the West? Well, I'm going back to the uh, the Clippers and the Mavericks game. And really, it's those Mavericks role players. Tass sort of uh, addressed them there. Finney Smith, Tim Hardaway, Jalen Brunson especially. I'm going to put Chris Tapps Porzingis as a role player too in this one. No. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> he's, not not, he's not superstar. He, he was okay. Look, he, he was okay in this game. Hit a big three and had a nice dunk at the end there. But really, because Doncic, as great as he was, you know, fantastic triple-double, uh, you know, with the 30 points there uh, and 11 assists. Only one point in that fourth quarter. Now, a couple of assists, uh, and a part of that is obviously because he's getting those guys involved. But those guys need to hit those shots, and they need to step up, and the, and they did in that crucial game there uh, because the Clippers, I thought this game was theirs to be won, uh, but they fell asleep. And Doncic, again, just showing that he doesn't need to uh, have to go out there and score every time. He's more than happy for these other guys to uh, hit shots and they did that so can they keep it up for the remainder of this series if they can then I think this series is wide open but that's always the question with Tim Hardaway Jr. and Dorian Finney-Smith those guys how consistent can they be game in game out Uh, Mm -hmm. we'll find out pretty soon but certainly game one was an impressive victory uh, by the Mavericks Uh, you know again Doncic fantastic but it wasn't just Doncic just dragging his team to victory a lot of other guys really uh, helped out yeah, Jalen Brunson was uh, had a nice little stretch there, as we thought he might have at some point in this series. Well, let's spin it into this question, Lee, because I think you had Clippers in five, if I remember correctly, on one of our uh, preview podcasts as you uh, fight off and uh, <laughs> stiff arm your young son, uh, Oscar, who makes an appearance every second show now. Um, but are you? Is this a series you want back in terms of predictions? Your Clippers in five. You know, I uh, I was unconvinced in my own prediction, saying that the Clippers should win this series in five games. And, um, you know, the reason why, because logically, 
and using my brain, I was like, the Clippers have got too much depth. <laughs> you know, they've got the star players. They've had a very good under-the-radar quiet season. They've mm-hmm. got to bounce back. They've got to answer some questions. But my gut was saying, it's the Clippers, though, and it's the Mavericks. And I was like, no, brain overrules gut in this one, and I'm going with the Clippers. So I, I still, so I mean, I, I hate myself for saying it. I still think the Clippers can win it. Um, but you're waiting for that moment where the Clippers really do show that they've got more talent uh than the clip than the than the mavericks but maybe they don't <laughs> maybe they don't have it I, I, i'm just Kawhi... is it fair to say the clippers absolutely have to win game two a hundred percent yes yeah. i mean because my my pivotal. thing yeah. my yeah, pivotal game two because my thing is with the clippers it's like if they do get behind are they going to implode like they did last season i mean they they technically didn't get behind until yeah, they, they lost up. the game yeah, yeah. Maybe this is good thing, um though. But that's that's what I, I really worry about for the yeah. Clippers. It's like, do they have that ability to really look each other in the eye and say, we can be better than this? Or do they basically just turn their backs on each other? Um, because that's kind of what happened to them against the Nuggets. So uh, I'm, not sh- I'm not I really don't know what to make of this series. Um, you know, but yes, the Clippers must win game two and, and honestly must win it convincingly, to be to be fair. They have oh. to show like we're going to Dallas uh, and that game one, we're going to flush that down the toilet because I, I just I, I'm perplexed that they got really sort of just brushed off their own court in game one. Uh, same question, Tass. Serious prediction you want back? Any of them? Well, I'll go with that, uh, the Blazers-Nuggets series because at home, the Nuggets, uh, their bench has to play better. They, they, the starters basically played even. Um, but if the if a, the bench at home is going to play like that, how are they going to play on the road? That's, that's a classic playoff thing. The, the bench players usually play better at home and they were just schooled uh you know trey went through it there uh their bench was outscored by 12 points and the nuggets lost by 14 if if the starters are playing even without jamal murray it's the guys yeah who are replacing the guys in the starting lineup it's a classic stand van and yeah if it's uh if it's marcus howard uh yeah i i mean maybe you just got to shorten the bench a little bit paul Millsap has to be better out there uh, he still is paul Millsap, uh, but he's obviously getting older in age but um to me you know we can talk about the points and all that but it's a young guy and a rook like marcus howard just being a billion miles away from carmelo anthony when carmelo mm-hmm. anthony is shooting the ball yeah. it's just playing better defense Watching Carmelo Anthony and, and score those 18 and Anthony Simons with those 14, they were just wide open. And so if the, if the bench players can't respond at home, I'm yeah, super worried about when they actually go uh, to Portland. That was just uh, that was, that was a bad performance. And it's like, I, there's jitters, I guess, in the first half when they were especially bad, but there's no excuse for allowing open shot after open shot after open shot. So that's... That's scary for them uh, going forward. Well, it'll be fun to see how uh, they counter the Blazers' defensive decision to try and turn Jokic into basically Steve Kerr. Uh, Was something we actually talked about. Like, hey, man, go nuts. Try and score as much as you want. We're just going to try and take away everybody else because we know you want to play make. Uh, And, like, some of that was just them missing shots for sure. But it was definitely the strategy they leaned into, Trey. Like, uh, go, Jokic, go for your 50. See if you can do it. Because uh, we don't think you can do win enough games without help. And we're just going to try and take away everybody else. I love the strategy. Um, but I can't wait to see how Malone and Jokic and the Nuggets sort of counter in game two. Yeah, just one assist for Jokic. I think it was the first time this season that he's had mm-hmm. a single assist game. He probably racks up a few more if Michael Porter Jr. makes more than one 
from 10 uh, uh, from the three-point yeah. line. And it'll also be, I mean, I don't think you're going to hold Jokic down uh, for an entirety of the game but the or for the entirety of the series. But the way they committed to making other play or to making him a scorer, I think, was huge. We'll see if the Blazers are able to continue doing that. Nurkic is a big guy, so he can, uh, you know, at least bang bodies with Jokic. He knows his game a little bit, but the Blazers as a defensive team are not the top of the pops. They're a bottom five defense. So are they going to be able to string this kind of effort together for seven straight games? We shall see. But game one, that was some great defense on Jokic, despite the fact that obviously he still went off for 30 points. But I mean, if you're only giving up 30 and you're not giving up 20 to the other guys off the passes, you're looking all right. Yeah, on Friday night, uh, when we got to our Jazz Grizzlies prediction, I think all three of you guys went Jazz and six. And I said, ah, oh, uh, I think you guys are just uh, riding the wave of that big victory over the Warriors. I think it's Jazz and five. I'd like that back. Um, and a big part of it is I thought, and it was my key to the series for crying out loud, Donovan Mitchell, I thought he was playing. I think we all did. Yeah. Um, he almost said as much. He did. He thought yeah. he was playing, they said. And yeah. he wasn't happy when they told him he wasn't playing. Uh, yes. that's, what, that's what I read prior to the game. I know, it's like, did the Jazz, I mean, of course, uh, hindsight 2020, you know, they pull out the victory, then it's great. Then it's like, oh, we had our superstar, get another couple days rest, but they lose, and you're like, ooh, did you think maybe you could pull this one out without them? Uh, which they obviously, of course, did, uh, and they didn't. So I'm going to change my, uh, I would want to change my Jazz in five pick. I don't think the Grizzlies are going to lose four straight games here, whether Donovan Mitchell is playing or not. Uh, they just had, they got nothing to lose. They're the youngest team to make the playoffs since what? The KD, Westbrook, Harden, uh, Thunder era team there. There's like no fear in these guys. They're fun to watch. Uh, so I just can't see them losing four straight, even if Mitchell comes back in game two, which I expect he would. But it's not going to help their chances to uh, the Jazz to win some of these games if they go 12 for 47 from three. And that was the concern too. We talked about it. I think, Trey, you brought it up. It's like, what happens when these threes aren't falling? They're a great three-point shooting team, 39% in the regular season. But uh, they'll have some of these games where they just throw up some clunkers. Bogdanovich, 4 for 11 from deep. Conley, 3 of 11. Clarkson, 0 for 8. I thought he was horrible in this mm-hmm. game. Ingles, 3 for 7, okay. Niang, 1 for 6. O'Neal, 1 for 3. And then Oni, 0 for uh, 1. So, yeah, they're going to need some better three-point shooting there. Um, I still think the Jazz win this series, but Jazz in 5. Again, I thought Mitchell was playing, and maybe it's a different outcome in Game 1, but there's no way that the Grizzlies are losing four straight. Not with Dylan Brooks, baby. Not with the way he's playing. Uh, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, so that, that's one I would want back. Uh, all right, let's wrap it up with the final question here. Favorite highlight or random moment? Again, observation from the Western Conference. Trey, where do you want to start? I loved Coach Jamal Murray in the Nuggets Game 1 against the Blazers. You know, Murray got injured earlier this year against the Warriors, so he's not able to contribute on the court, but he's still bringing the memes, reacting hardcore to basically everything that was happening out there. The big one was, uh, whose mans is this? After a foul call that went against the Nuggets. Uh, This is like Jimmy Butler-level face reaction meme to me. I can see this uh, sticking around for a while if the Nuggets are able to continue here in the playoffs. Yeah, and like the hat just takes it to the next level. Totally. The soft trucker hat there, the mask pulled down. Yeah, it's a great meme reaction. It was nice to see him back on the sidelines. Of course, they wish they was playing, but uh, that's a good one. I'll go next. I mean, he was on the sidelines, but he was also almost on the court. Jamal Murray was like the sixth man out there. Yeah, he was invested in, uh, in. in the Nuggets game there. Um, I'll go with Kyle Anderson's fast break, and I throw fast break in air quotes. I love this play so much. Uh, great steal. Man, he does that all the time where he just pops it out. And then look at this fast break. 
I know Favors is the one chasing him down. Obviously, yeah, not that fleet-footed that makes too. It even better. Run it back, JD. I want to see that again because it is unbelievable. This is in real time here. Okay. When he I'm, gets to the free throw line. And just, yeah. just, <laughs> just stops. Just waits. What a play. But Favors is like pumping his arms as well, which is <laughs> like... <sprinting. laughs> it's hilarious. Full of sprint from Favors. Uh, we see a violation on Giannis's 10 seconds free throw. Why can't we have a 10 second violation on a guy in a fast break? Yeah, yeah three, or, three or in the key. Three yeah, in the key there. incredibly <laughs> slow for a fast break, but uh, awesome steal. He had another one there uh, just like that. Yeah. He's got just got those crazy oh, balls. Yeah. arms man he is a great great player it's fun uh, to have a guy like that that can uh, contribute in this league uh tass what about you favorite moment highlight whatever well rudy gobert fouled out of the game against uh, the grizzlies and then he had a flop after he fouled out i don't think i've ever seen this before uh, he literally went up to kyle anderson oh while he God. was on the baseline <sighs> And just walked up to him and flopped when Kyle Anderson said, get out of my way with a little touch. Rudy Gobert hit the floor. Hard! I've I've never seen anything like that. I hope I never see anything like that again. That was absurd. I mean, I, I did like guys all over the place. Trey mentioned Jamal Murray, like sort of on the floor. The NBA is really allowing guys to roam on the baseline mm. and the sideline throughout these first two days. But Rudy Gobert, man, I, 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 I couldn't take it. I just, I, I had to point that out because, it's, even his play on the floor was enough, like, enough to be mad at. But then that, 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 oh, I mean, they, he should trying. be technical he, foul, yeah, flop, or he, yeah. something. But he should be foul, flop, or fined after the fact. Find him, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, for not it, being in the game and flopping, come on. Yeah, it's, it's just <laughs> obviously trying to do anything to get an advantage for his team. You're right. I mean, it's very Chris Paul like to me. That's where my mind immediately goes. You can see Chris mm. Paul like just he's like trying to think like maybe if I just sort of fall over here. Uh, you know, something will happen to help us get some free throws or something like that in a close game. Uh, yeah, Rudy had a lot of thoughts about the refs last night. Obviously a, fouled out, and after the game, what was he saying? He's like, I don't know. I don't know how it's being officiated. I don't know how this game's being officiated. Sometimes I foul guys, and they say it's not a foul. Then I foul them later, and they call me for a foul. So they ask Shaq about it. You ever been like that, Shaq? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I don't care how they're officiating the game. Just go out there and play it. And I think that's a little bit right. Just go hack people from the start. That's what Dylan Brooks does. It earns him a rep as a great defender. If you do it from the beginning, they're not going to call it the entire game. Uh, Lee, wrap it up here, man. What's your favorite moment from the West? Well, we got a wedgie, um, but I don't know if it counts. I think it should because it comes from the great Boban sitting down before the game. This is from Luca's Instagram. And now watch how he dislodges it. It's up oh, there. This is the best part. He barely does And then he does the shack dunk afterwards as well, like with the legs going out there like that. I mean, what a moment. I mean, why not? Let's just we get we're getting crazy. Let's just throw that in. That's a legit wedgie. I mean, sitting down from the side of the court there. Look I at like that. that he's excited about it. Yeah. He's yeah. like, oh, I wish, when it goes back. I oh. wish he had said or, or I wish someone had just said wedgie, but yeah. look at him. Then he just goes and tips it like yeah, that's like when I play with my boys out in the driveway. Up. You know, I just stand up there and tip the ball, and, uh, and then he dunks it. Like, <laughs> so you want to count that? Come on! Why not? It's we're no, giving away. What's the wedgie? No. The wedgie uh, shirt we got today. Let's have some fun. Let's just throw it in the pile. Oh. <laughs> nice, nice. No, nice it's, plug. it's a it's a great uh, just plug to remind everybody again. Monday here on May twenty fourth from noon to midnight, you can go get yourself a baby blue 
uh, wedgie t-shirt that uh, will only be up there for the 12 hours to go cop that. Uh, a Bobby Blue. Oh, a Bobby yeah. Blue. <laughs> Bobby Blue. I just realized we didn't, uh, we didn't get any of the first uh, run white wedgie t-shirts. We'll mm. have to make sure to get one of these guys. Um, so there you go. So go grab that. Nodunks.com. Bobby From blue. noon Eastern to midnight tonight, the Baby Blue wedgie shirt. It looks awesome. That's just this nice summer look, I think, right there, TK. Maybe take the sleeves off that. Oh, goodness. Uh, oh, yeah, Skates, because one of the things I'm always worried about with a light blue shirt, especially in the summer, pit, pit stains. stains. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sleeveless, yeah. though? <laughs> Feeling good. Let them breathe. Let them mm-hmm. breathe. All right, let's get to Tweet of the Night. Mm, tweet of the Night. Wow. Twitter. Yeah, Tassie, you teased it. It's so good. Going back to MSG, Kavitha Davidson, sports and culture writer at The Athletic. She's out there. She's at the game, fully vaxxed, showing off the, uh, the seats there and the game one wristband. Love it, okay? But soon into the game, I guess sort of late first half, this is what shows up in front of her. Oh, and she wow. tweets, I'm sorry, but are you fucking kidding me? And for those listening, we're showing a photo of somebody in a rose jersey sitting one seat ahead of her. They're like up there in the, the second or third bowl there at MSG. That's fine. But they're wearing like a Dr. Seuss giant Knicks hat. I mean, it's like comically high. It looks to be a good you know, two feet, two and a half foot tall hat. That's a tall hattie for sure. And, uh, you know, like that's unbelievable. Wow. Like you, like Tess, like... Somebody sits down in front of you at a game like this. Oh, I'm saying something. You have to say something, right? Like, First game in a year and a half. <laughs> um, let me grab my Seuss hat real like quick. You, okay, respect. You know, so uh, Nick's colors to your Dr. Seuss hat. Awesome. You, you know, you're a Rose fan. You got the jersey. Cool. But, okay, wear it to the game. Wear it in the concourse. But you got to take that off. Uh, mm-hmm. That's what you're doing, right, Tess? Yeah, and uh, Kavitha said she moved down a few seats and got the heck away from that right, hat, okay. and it was good. But like that, yeah, you're we're in the upper bowl here, and that, <laughs> that, and you have, you know, you're up at least a row, I guess, right. and and the hat still blocks the whole freaking thing, blocks the the whole court. And the scoreboard, yeah. even yeah. though you're tall. Yeah. Imagine this guy sits down in front of you at a game. Yeah. Are you saying I can't take this down to the fortress? Is that what you guys if are saying? If you sat in front of me with that, I couldn't. I, I, it would take me 10 seconds, I would probably wait, to then smash that thing down on the top of your head. I hope you well, sir, right right. There. Yeah. I believe we have business. <laughs> yeah, are you going to pull out a glove and slap me or something like that? Yeah. This guy's putting the farm in State Farm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lee, oh my God. If you do go down to the fortress, please take that and take a photo. Please. Just pop it on. Oh, okay. This is my Kyle Corver t shirt. That's going to be my look. All right. Yeah, yeah. You throw some curls on those uh, sideburns. Yeah. You got some serious Amish vibes. Yeah. Uh, some Amish furniture. I was going to say, he's ready to sell you like a rocking chair or a table or something. That's going to be high quality for sure. I, I thought that was a video that JD pulled up. I didn't think that was Lee live. I haven't got a lot of flexibility. It's, it's, right. it's, it's certainly sitting up there balancing, but oh, it's actually not too bad. Yeah. Okay. All right. It's taller than the last time you yeah. were. I don't know what happened. You get the top hat. Uh, I crank this baby up another inch. Every time you see me, it's going to be a little bit bigger. <laughs> There's a little crank on it. It goes up higher. 
had had some Roman dick pills. Uh, I think. Uh, all right. Um, so tonight we got two games, guys: Heat Bucks at seven thirty and Blazers Nuggets at ten p.m. Eastern. Uh, Excited to be obviously back tomorrow to talk about these games. Any predictions want to be made, Trey? Like you don't even have to say the game. Is there something a player, something that's going to happen in either of these games <laughs> that you just want to throw at the people talking to existence? What do you got? Uh, bounce back game for Jimmy Butler. Uh, okay. You know he's not a jump shooter. I think Jimmy Butler knows that. He's one of the guys who you're like, at the end of the season, you're like, wow, he took 43s for an entire year. He took nine in game one. That's too many for JB. So it's got to be layups. I think he'll be better in game two. Yeah, Tass, who do you think is more likely to go up 2-0 uh, after tonight? Is it Milwaukee or is it the the Blazers on the road? I don't have confidence in either. Wow. Uh, I mean, I guess the Blazers. I, I, I think the Heat bounce back. But, uh, yeah, I'm definitely worried more so about the Nuggets. Okay. Uh, not getting enough production out of everyone 2 through 13 on their roster. Uh, Sir Ellis, same question. Mm. Yeah, what, what do you think? Who's more likely to... Uh, to go up 2-0. I think it is more likely that the Blazers, uh, just because I think after what we saw in game one there, they really, their backcourt depth is tough for uh, Denver right now. They've got a couple of guys they can throw, but I think Lillard and CJ, if they can really take advantage, they can uh, put some distance between themselves and the Nuggets. Uh, I would like to see a, a much better performance from Giannis and the Bucks, uh, and I really, I think this is a great chance for them to go two up and be in a you know strong position against the Heat. Yeah. Because as I say, they they had a bad game and pulled out the victory, which is all you need to do in the playoffs. So if they can play better, uh, then uh, they can really uh, you know show that they are the better team than the Heat. But not sure that's going to happen. I think Jimmy's just going to really grind them down tonight. So I think it's the Blazers more likely, but hope the Bucks do it too. All right, we'll be back tomorrow to break down both of those games in a lot of detail because we'll have a lot more time to do the nitty-gritty with those series. So join us tomorrow, 10 a.m. Eastern, live on YouTube. We'll get it up to your podcast feed soon after that. Email in your questions and comments to nodunksattheathletic.com for our Beach Steppin' podcast later this week. Go to nodunks.com. Especially again today from 12 to midnight to grab that limited edition baby blue, Boban blue wedgie shirt there. Looking beautiful here on the stream team. Thanks to everybody for joining us. Get yourself an athletic subscription to theathletic.com slash no dunks. They got a great deal on right now if you are not a subscriber to The Athletic. And that's it. I will see you guys tomorrow. Clipper Bros. You heard it here first. Have a great time. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. Thanks for joining us. And remember, our email is nodunksattheathletic.com. Our social media accounts are all no dunks or no dunks inc. And we'd like you to send us a photo of you in your finest hat. And if it's a tall hat, even better. We'll show we'll share them tomorrow on the show if you got Love some it. good hats. All right. Yeah, tall hats only though. Don't send us a baseball yeah, tall hat photo. We don't want a short hat. <laughs> or a bulky don't hat. Don't want no short hat. Bulky hat, hat tall hat, uh, comical hat. Uh, just uh, Get creative with your hats, like Lee Ellis there. Look at that guy. That's a guy that knows a lot about the NBA. (laughs) Embrace the day, people.